Philo people. It's me again, Todd Elliott. Welcome to episode five of the Philo podcast. Thanks for joining us. Before we dive into our topic today, I had a couple of updates from a Philo conference perspective. So first off, uh, we just had a price jump back on February 23rd. And you know what? Our attendance is like through the roof. It was 100% more than a year ago. And the other thing that's amazing is we're kind of approaching the number of the total attendance we had last year. And we're still months away from actually having our event. But this is like blowing my mind. If you signed up already, we're really excited to see you at the Philo Conference. And for those of you who are still on the fence, there's still time to get 50% off the full price. So go to our website, firstinlastout.us, and register uh, before you think of something else you forgot to do. Anyway, not only is Philo Conference coming up quick, but that means that MixU in Chicago is coming up quick also. We're super excited to be working with MixU again this year and teaming up with Andrew, Jeff, and Lee. If you don't know what I'm talking about or who these people are, or if you've been busy not paying attention, you got to check out their website at mxu.rocks. You'll learn what the heck I'm talking about. I love what they're doing, the reach of their podcast, the effectiveness of their non-conference event. Makes me wish I was an audio person again. All three of these guys, uh, you know, they've been super supportive to me personally. I love the fact that our events are back-to-back in the same venue. Actually, as I was getting ready for this podcast, I was remembering a conversation I had with Lee Fields back in the spring of 2014 and tossing around the idea of a Philo type event. And, you know, at the time there was no name and we had no clue how to get it done. But shortly after that conversation, it became apparent that my time at Willow Creek was coming to an end. And so I took a leap into the unknown. I didn't know what my life was going to look like, but I knew that I needed to trust God and take a leap. And so I like to think that because of Lee, I quit my job. He talked me into it. No, that's not true. He really encouraged me to go after the thing that I felt God was kind of pushing me into. So thanks, Lee. Anyways, if you have the opportunity, you definitely don't want to miss the Mix You event. It's affected a ton of people that I know who have attended. And, you know, they get a chance to dig deep into the realm of audio and leadership and just kind of plain survival skills. It's the day before Philo on May 21st at Willow Creek Church, and really you don't want to miss it. And so while you're in the building, why not stick around for Philo? By the time this podcast is released, we'll be right on top of Easter and getting ready for one of the largest services that most of us have all year. And I'm guessing things are getting a little intense where you are. So in our podcast today, we're going to scratch the surface kind of on how one church gets ready for Easter and what we might be able to learn from the conversation in order to make our own Easter experiences the best it can be. And so for this episode, I had the privilege to talk to an old friend and former coworker, Chris Thomas. He'll tell you a little bit about what he's doing now, but let's just say I always look forward to spending some time with Chris, and I love his heart for the technical artists in the local church. He's been a huge Philo supporter since before there even was a Philo. So how's it going, Chris? Doing great. Uh, Thanks for having me. Yeah, sure. I was actually thinking about it this morning, uh, trying to think about when we started working together. Was it 2008? 2007. Oh, seven. Seven. Okay. Seven. August. 11 years. Oh, my gosh. You're getting old. Yep. At 2.30 p.m. on the... Oh, sorry. I mean... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you think I'd remember that time, too. Yeah, that time that Chris walked into my office for the first time. I'll never forget it. 
<laughs> exactly. No, but actually I was, uh, you know, Facebook, the best part about Facebook anymore is the memories part. And uh, so I've had two memories of you pop up recently. Yeah. One of which is kind of impressive for me was that in 2011, we ran 14 miles oh, yeah. uh, with a bunch of people doing a 100-mile training run or something ridiculous. But we just bailed after 14 miles on that day. So that was a cool memory. The other one yeah. was in 2012, maybe, we were all going uh, on a trip to Germany. And you and Jeff Stewart were holding hands on the airplane, like because you didn't like the the taking off part. Right uh, across the aisle. <laughs> yeah, across the aisle, and then maybe well, there were two pictures: one across the aisle, and then one for you know one was sitting behind the other, and yeah, 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 yeah. super yes. awkward, and yeah, we, we try. Yeah, right. Way to go. Anyway, I'm sure no one cares about that. But today, if you could just talk a little bit about kind of your your journey, your story of getting mm. to where you are now what you've done and what you're doing currently? Yeah, yeah. So let's see. I don't know how far back, but essentially I got into full-time ministry in Nashville, was volunteering at a church there. I had been doing lighting for the entertainment industry. And then through a roundabout way, I started volunteering for uh, Willow Creek Germany conferences and then got, uh, got brought on staff at Willow Creek and was there for five years. And then went out to Bayside in Sacramento and was there for a year, and then came here to Cherry Hills Community Church, and where I've been here, let's see, three years, four years, somewhere around there. So, yeah. <clears throat> and maybe so. uh, just to clarify, you started out doing lighting stuff was kind of your main thing, and then when you left Willow, then you became a production manager at Bayside, and then, I don't know what your title is now, but something similar, leading tech people yes. yep. at Cherry yep. Hills, so. yeah. Yeah, so light, lighting is kind of my passion and kind of what I went to school for. Mm -hmm. And but yeah, leading leading the production team is is now my passion and what I thoroughly enjoy doing. Yeah, so. and uh, for those of you out there who are really big fans of Joel Osteen uh, and love to go see him on tour, Chris will be there doing the lighting. Yes, yes, that. Uh, yep, every now and then, once a month. Your best lighting now. It's Your happening once a month. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, that, maybe that's un uncalled for. Sorry. Anyway. In case you haven't figured out, Chris and I kind of have a sarcastic relationship that uh, I just sometimes can't resist. Anyway, <laughs> today we're talking about Easter, Easter planning, Easter prep, Easter, Easter, Easter. Uh, with Easter the, eggs. Easter eggs, Easter egg hunts, Easter bunnies, uh, <laughs> chocolate. Yeah, all of it. Uh, those Reese's. I mean, here's a question. So those Reese's uh, peanut butter. Eggs. Yes. So there's two different kinds at Easter. There's the kind of the blob uh, of chocolate that every uh, holiday they change what the, you know the shape is a Christmas tree or a pumpkin or an yeah. egg. And, but basically, they all look the same. Just a big blob of chocolate covered peanut butter. Or there's the foil wrapped, uh, you know, pristine egg with a little bit of peanut butter in it. Yes. Anyway, so I prefer the the latter to the former. <laughs> you prefer the foil? Yeah, the foil. It's you know so much fancier. Yeah, the yep. chocolate to peanut butter ratio is a little better. Yeah, less yeah. peanut butter. Yeah, uh, more chocolate. You get it. Uh, anyway, yep. uh, we're gonna see. <laughs> see, do we get? Speaking of rabbits, we're getting on quite a few trails here that have nothing to do with Easter. So, Chris, when did you start planning for Easter? Yeah, let's see. So. 
so I kind of sit on, so my boss is Brendan Grissom and Brendan Grissom kind of oversees all of programming and production. And underneath him are the four, his four direct reports. So there's myself that oversees production. There's Jeremy Richardson, who is one of our uh, worship leaders, and then Ryan Chapel, who is our creative director. So the, th- the three of us, plus Brandon, make up the production and programming leadership team. Sure. We started talking about Easter, uh, let's see, probably about the first week of December. Oh, wow. So that's when we first started to have conversations about it. Uh-huh. At that point in time, Christmas uh, for us was kind of off the ground and running, um, at least from the creative standpoint. So Ryan Chapel and team had kind of handed over their baby to us as the production team for us to take it and execute Christmas. Sure. Which, which means their plate was then freed up to start thinking about Easter. Okay. So that's kind of when we, and when I start, I mean, when we, when I say that we started thinking about it, I mean, it was at that point, very high level conceptual ideas. Yeah. It was like, Hey, we should talk about Easter. We should talk about Easter. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. <laughs> So I think from there, the journey went that Ryan Chapel and team kind of sat down, started their creative juices flowing. The goal was to have some sort of script or some sort of conceptual presentation before we went on Christmas break. So essentially okay. before, before Christmas Eve. And I think we did that. But then we came back from Christmas and Shane Farmer, our senior pastor, had kind of had the spirit talk to him as far as what he should do or what we should do for Easter that changed the concept for Easter. So at that point in time, the month of January was spent kind of retooling and kind of going back to the drawing board, really, Okay. to better align and and make sure that we were supporting Shane's uh, vision for what we should do for Easter. Right. Okay. So yeah, so that was January. I don't know how much more you want me to keep going. No, 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 that's good. Uh, So is that... uh, Starting in December, is that in your experience of your three or four years at at uh, Cherry Hills? That been your experience that that's how it's been going? Yeah, it's we kind of learned in order for us. So at Cherry Hills, our culture is very we're very film driven when it comes to the big special events of so Christmas okay. and Easter. Uh-huh. So in order for us to be on the right project timeline uh-huh. for both Christmas and Easter, so we had to start at least thinking about Easter once Christmas is off the ground. Right, right. Otherwise, what happens is we come back from Christmas break and there's just a little bit of a scrambling mentality that seems very rushed. Sure. So we tried to, just in the last two, two, three years, we've kind of gotten into a rhythm and a routine of, hey, let's let's get Easter nailed down as much as possible before we leave for Christmas. Right, right. And is that something that you've been a part of pushing on or is it mostly Brandon and the way Brandon works is kind of facilitating that conversation so early? Yeah, a little bit of both. So we kind of sat down as a leadership team and said, okay, here's here's our timeline. This is how much time each department needs. Uh-huh. And let's start putting that on paper and kind of a timeline. And and as we extrapolate that out and and go backwards from, you know, Easter, right. um, that kind of had dictated the timeline. Right. And what about when you started saying that you know, Shane shows up in January and he's got a different idea and now we got to yeah. redo the whole thing. That feels like a normal occurrence, at least in my experience, that you have a teacher who maybe you can engage them in a conversation in December. Hey, what are you thinking about Easter? Uh, you know, this or that, or, you know, they're just, they're not dialed in yet. Mm-hmm. 
and the the programming production, the worship team, whatever can just start taking that those little bits of information and running, you know, maybe too far down the road. Yeah. And then the when once the pastor then has their brain wrapped around Easter, you know, now you're having to drop, uh, you know, scrap everything and start over. How did that how does that in your experience has that been just part of the the culture or something that's super frustrating or yeah, I'm just curious how how you personally and how you handle that for your team that's maybe done a lot of work already on something. Yeah, I think um, I would say for us, you know, we as artists, we try. We, I think we definitely have to hold everything loosely. Mm-hmm. You know, everything can change at a moment's notice depending upon what our senior leader is is thinking and feeling at the moment. For us, we try not to get frustrated. Um, there's, <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm sure there's some some frustration for you know for myself. I don't really get frustrated at that point in time just because I know that, let's see, what's the word? I'm still good on my timeline. It's, sure, Ryan, right. it's, it's Ryan Chapel, the creative director, that if anybody could get frustrated. Sure, yeah. But I do think that there's an advantage to, even if the ideas that we start talking about in December get scrapped, there is an, an advantage to at least engaging with the senior leader to start his process and juices flowing sure, yeah. through the month of December. Because even if if he's praying on it and really engaging with the spirit through the course of December, it's better to start that in December as opposed to start it in January. Right, right, right. Yeah. So the more that we can do as a team to even push our senior leader and lead up, even if the ideas, our ideas get scrapped, we'd rather start the process flowing. Sure, yeah. I think there's something too, just the the idea of coming up with a plan and understanding timelines and how long things take to do that puts some reality boundaries on mm-hmm. an Easter idea or just what it takes to pull off Easter so that when you're interrupted, let's say a month in with a totally new idea, yep. now you know, okay, well, we can't do what we had planned because we don't have the time and you know, you've yep. got something in your mind that you know we have to adjust. Yeah, I think also, so on that note, as far as timeline being pushed, for us, this process, you know, Shane came to us and said, hey guys, I'm sorry, I got a completely different concept and vision. We then as a team said, okay, hold up. We got to, we need to um, kind of put together our, our heads and wrap our heads around the idea and then come back to Shane and say, Shane, in order to do this, it's going to require this amount of money. It's going to require shelving this project that we already had on the timeline, all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. So it's it's our it's our duty and responsibility to then go to go back to the senior leader and say, hey, totally on board. We'd love to support you. These are the things that need to change, or this is what we need in order to execute this idea. Sure. And, and for that, for this particular scenario, it was going to require more money in Uh order to, to do an expedited timeline. Sure. So at that point in time, it's Shane Farmer's decision to say, yes, I have some more money that I can give to you or understand, got it. Let's go back to your concept, original idea. Sure. Right. Right. But if, but if we don't do, if we don't present those options, to our senior leader, then, and we just keep them within ourselves, yeah. we're just going to get more and more frustrated and we're not doing anybody justice at that point. Sure, right. And I think too, as a tech person uh, and a lot of tech people I know feel a heavy weight of responsibility to deliver and not let people down. And so when the senior leader comes to you and with a new idea, you know, it's like, I want to nail that thing. 
And I don't want to come back and say, well, you know, we can't really do it because of these reasons. Yeah. So it's just, it's hard to, I think most tech people t- end up taking on too much responsibility. This isn't yours to figure out how right. to get this done. If you don't have enough money or enough time or whatever, it's, it's for you to present to your senior leader. Hey, like you were saying, love the idea. Here's our constraints. We need more money. We need more time. We need more people. We Here's a different twist on the idea that's totally doable. Can we do that? And then let the senior leader decide. Yes. Because it is ultimately their their responsibility. Yep. And I think there's also, you know, if if you then try to assume or make the decision yourself, you're then placing yourself in the responsible chair, yeah. which could come back to bite you. You know, there's sure. been times in my experience where I've attempted to assume and make the decision for my senior leader just out of like, hey, how do I keep stuff off of their plate? Sure, yeah. And at the end of the day, it was the wrong decision. Sure. And in reality, I should have gone back to my senior leader and said, hey, what do you want to do in this situation? Right, right. Yeah, so. and for them, it's probably a lot easier to decide than you or me. Yep. Yep. Now, uh, one of the things, I w- as I was thinking about uh, this idea of Easter and getting ready for Easter and some of the times at Willow Creek doing, trying to figure out what's the creative idea, how do we get it done? And one of the things I thought of was just the budgeting process. Like, mm. you know, to have an idea is one thing, to figure out how much it costs is another, to then actually afford an idea. You know, th- it's all complicated and not simple. Yeah. I'd be curious just from your experience, the where do the ideas start? How do you right size them from a budget standpoint? Like what's your process for taking some wild, crazy idea and attaching value to it or even time or money? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's it's one of those things where having done this for four years now, it's specifically at Cherry Hills. I have a budget template, so to speak, that I can now carry over and copy and paste from year to year to year. I know that there are certain things that each Easter on each Christmas, there's, this is going to be, it's not a variable. This is something that has to happen. Yeah. So from there, we then as a, as a leadership team, so the creative director, worship leader, myself and Brandon, we sit together and say, okay, we have X amount of dollars. How do we want to divvy this up? How much does production get? Okay, production, you only get 10 grand. And then as soon as that happens, I start to raise my hand and say, hey, Brandon, totally okay with 10 grand. 10 grand is not going to support X, Y, Z. Right. What do you want? What do you want to do? Do you want to can this idea? Do you want to do you want to see if you can get more money? All that kind of stuff. Yeah. For instance, this last Easter, we had a glorious LED screen that we rented. Uh And of course, everybody loved it. Well, that was X amount of dollars. And this year's budget, doesn't can't support that LED screen again this year. So I had to go back to Brandon and as much as Brandon was pushing for the screen again, I was like, Brandon, we can't afford it, man. What do you want to do? And ultimately he made the decision. Cool. Let's can the, let's can the LED screen and we'll go with something else. Sure. Yeah. So, so from there, uh, I think it's just then me interacting with my individual direct report. So I, I engage with my scenic director. I engage with my lighting director. I engage with my audio guy. Hey, what do we need? Uh, do we need to rent any microphones? Start, let's start getting a quote on that and let's start plugging numbers in and seeing how everything balances out. Right. Uh, and if, if something, if we start to go over budget, then again, I, I go back to Brandon and everybody else and say, hey, here's where we're at. What do we, what do we want to do? Yeah. So, I think it's interesting too. I don't know what it's like at Cherry Hills, but 
most of the Easter Christmas programs that I've been a part of, there's always, you're trying to do something you've never done before. Mm -hmm. That's what makes it special. Yep. And as a result, you don't really know how to do it. <laughs> and so you don't know how much it's going to cost. Yeah. You don't know how much time it's going to take. And yep. so, yeah, the just to be in constant conversation about, hey, we're going over budget or we've overestimated, we've got some money we could throw back into the to the mix mm -hmm. with everybody. And so it's just, it's a, it's an interesting dynamic of, yeah, we're trying to figure out something we've never had to figure out before. And so we're some ways throwing darts at a, you know, blindfolded. I yep. mean, in some ways we can make educated guesses, but you're still fighting against the idea that we don't really know. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I think in the, in the budgeting process, there are certain things that I will fight and go to bat for, for instance, you know, like we have a certain amount of money set aside for, uh, for food for, to feed all of our volunteers over sure, the course right. of rehearsal week and stuff like that. And to me, that is a, that is a non-negotiable. We will take care of our people. Yeah. And so by having that template each year that carries over, okay, I know, I know to, to feed this many people for a week, it's going to cost this much money. Yeah. That helps significantly in knowing what are, what are known yeah. uh, factors as opposed to the unknowns. Right, right. So. Yeah, and I can remember one time at Willow Creek with Blaine Hogan, who was the creative director that particular year. And here are the five or six things that we that are coming creatively at us that we need to figure out. Okay, let's divide up. You take this one, you take that one. Let's figure out how much we think it'll cost. Yep. And then come back and say, okay, here's how much money we have. Here's how yep. much money each one of these things is going to cost. Sitting with Blaine, what do we do? Like what do how, we do? That's, how yep. can we do this? Uh, yep. What's a way we can massage this or even tell us which one of these six things is the most important thing yep. and yep. what's the least important thing. And just uh, negotiation is the wrong word, but you're just, you're again, you're, I'm not responsible for figuring this out, but let's figure it out together. Yep. And I, and I think the key is that, uh, you know, again, as a production person, the mentality often is try to keep that within yourself, or at least for me, I try to hold that tightly to then be able to figure the problem out. Like I want right. I want to figure this out. In reality, the better thing is, is to keep in constant communication. Yeah. Okay. Hey, this is the stumbling block that we're up against. What do we want to do is, you know, maybe somebody else has a better idea on how to figure the problem out. Right. Right. You know, so there's a, there's definitely a little bit of a selfish uh, mentality when a stereotypical production sure, person. Yeah. I want to save uh, the day. I want, I want to have to all the answers. Exactly. Yeah, yeah right. exactly. Yeah. And I think in ministry, especially, man, how do we give that up to God and to invite other people into the process? Sure, yeah. I think, too, the, in my experience, collaboration is so important. It's, the you know, it's kind of the ball game in a lot of ways. And mm -hmm. the, the thing about it is that so I'm, this is maybe a weird analogy, but back in my college days, I used to read the liner notes of every Christian artist that was putting out new stuff. I knew every guitar player, drummer, mm -hmm. producer, just songwriters. I knew all that stuff. And uh, I had a couple really favorite artists that ended up starting to produce their own material. So instead of having an outside producer come in, they said, ah, I can do this. And yeah. their stuff turned to crap, in my yep. my opinion, yep. just because they had no outside influence, no boundaries set for them, no, yeah, just a perspective from somewhere else. Mm -hmm. And so I think 
there's something magical that happens when we are trimming and massaging and trying to fit something into a budget or into a time frame or whatever that yep. tends to make stuff better, in my yep. opinion. Yep. And I know uh, working with Blaine many times and talking about it, it's like the editing process is what makes something that's maybe good into something that's great. And if mm-hmm. you're not opening yourself up to, hey, we can't afford this, or how do we do this, trying to solve all that yourself, you're missing out on an opportunity for something to be really amazing. Absolutely. And it's a constant reality check, at least for me personally. Like I have to get my mindset in each, for instance, each Easter meeting that when that I go into, I have to get myself in a mindset of, okay, there are going to be ideas that the creative director is going to propose today that I know for a fact is not going to happen. Yeah. But how I respond is going to make the difference, especially when uh, it's an outlook on me personally, but also it's how my team is then looking to me to how to re- how I respond. Right. Do I res- do I respond like a jerk and say and shut the creative director down immediately and right, say no right. that that idea is not going to work or this is just, this is this? Yeah. Or do I say hey man that is an awesome idea can I get back to you and let me let's talk about it and let me get back to you in a week or so? Sure. Yeah. Uh, how, how I respond, but. You know, I have to do that every single time before I walk in the door of a meeting. And, <laughs> yeah. just, and you know, it's just one of those things that I, as a production person, am, I'm constantly working on myself. So. Right. I mean, I think it's so easy to, we're problem solvers. That's what we do. And so you present us with a, an idea. We're all about trying to so- figure it out. Yep. And I would say most new ideas seem like not doable. And right. so, yeah, the first answer is usually, yeah, we can't do that. But it, for me, it was always, I was always thinking about it in terms of what do we have, who do we have, yeah. what does that mean for how we can do it, yeah. uh, as opposed to thinking outside of who could we get or mm-hmm. what piece of gear could we rent or buy that would make this happen. Mm-hmm. And I think, too, I've been kicked out of so many uh, planning meetings and creative brainstorming over the years because of my inability to kind of mm. roll with the just the creative process. Yeah. And so there definitely is a moment where you have to speak up, but it's usually not in, you know, that first meeting in December. You just let it go. You just let it go. Yeah. Yeah. And and try to figure out when's the moment when I say, "Eh, yeah, maybe not exactly without like crushing somebody. Right. And I I would say too, just maybe it's because I'm getting older or, doing the Philo conference, like I'm in the creative seat. It's like the creative ideas don't just magically appear. Right. It takes work. And so that perspective for me, it's like, yeah, don't shoot down my ideas right away because it takes a lot of energy and it's just not automatic. Right. Uh, so it's given me a lot of grace for creative people to be like, yeah, you know, let let them work this out. Yep. And then at a certain point, yeah, okay, let's bring it down to reality. Right. Right. Which again, that that process is so important to make the idea better, absolutely, or even doable. I mean, uh, Blaine, such great words about you know, it's one thing to have an idea; it's another thing to have that idea turn into something real, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. requires production and budgets and all this stuff. That uh, if that doesn't exist, then yeah, the idea is just an idea. Yeah, and I think it's it's also. Just thinking about the process, you know, because I think some of my team members specifically, I think probably my my scenic director right now is a little stressed and under the gun, so to speak. 
yep. because of some of the ideas that have been presented to the table. And it's like, okay, how do we figure this out? It's then, so in my check-ins with him, it's my job as his supervisor and leader to say, okay, how can I help you remove the stress? What, what kinds of things can I strip away or say, don't worry about that right. to, make, to make sure that Easter is the most important thing? Yeah. To make sure that this person isn't feeling stressed on figuring out the problems. Right. So, yeah, anyway. Yeah, and I think it's it also a lot of that stress comes from I just I need to solve the problem. I'm the mm-hmm. one who's got to mm-hmm. figure this out and I would say whether you're the only if you're a volunteer doing everything yourself or you're a part-time staff person and or whatever, you know, Chris is yep. talking about having a scenic person on staff, you know, most of us don't. Oh yeah, whatever that is, share that stress with other people to say, "Hey, I'm having a hard time figuring out how I'm going to get this done and get this yes. done." So yes. help me decide. Yes. Which, if you're leading a, a, a staff of production people, that's your job is to help. Mm-hmm. How can I relieve the stress? How can I help make decisions? Take the ones that you shouldn't be deciding anyway, so that you can focus on the decisions you can make and should be making. Yep. Yeah. So important. <laughs> And I think it's it's even you know there's a there's a probably a bit of fear in presenting your problems to your senior leader or to totally. whoever your supervisor is. I just had a scenario where my um, my next gen technical director was coming up against the, a budget constraint for a camp coming up, uh-huh. and and he's like, "What do I do, Chris? What do I do? I'm over budget. You know, I'm not going to be able to do all this." I'm like, "Have you talked to the leader of the ministry <laughs> yet?" And he's like, "No." I'm like, "Well, just have a, just." <laughs> Have, have a conversation with a guy. Yeah. And he was like, well, what if he's, what if he says this? I'm like, what if he does? Like you're yeah. presenting the information to him. Right. And, and that conversation happened, I think last week or so. And I, so I checked in with him. I was like, Hey, had the conversation go. And he's like, Oh, it went great, man. He goes, we, we cut this, we cut this, we added this. And I'm like, there yeah. you go. That's, yeah. that's the process. Yeah. And who, who cares if uh, tensions are going to escalate when you're solving problems and when you're collaborating, right? Right. Right. Um, and I think if you go into it knowing that and just knowing that everyone, you're all on the same team sure, and things are going to get solved no matter what, it, it is what it is. Yeah. And you're, you're, everyone is better for it coming out of that conversation. Yeah, totally. So we're talking about Easter, getting ready for Easter, preparing for Easter, budgeting for Easter. So Good Friday is like yeah. smack in the middle of this. How do you handle that, <clears throat> the tension of a totally different event the day before yeah. Or two days before you're actually doing this giant Easter thing. Yeah, we don't believe in Good Friday here. <laughs> uh, it's Bad Friday. It's Bad Friday. No, non-existent uh, Friday. Non-existent Friday. Let's go straight from um, Thursday to Saturday. Yeah. <laughs> so for us, we have the luxury of having a completely different venue, and I have people on the team that can take care of that venue that are separate from the venue that is taking on Easter. Oh, so, nice. I have that luxury. Not everybody does, and I totally get it. Yeah. So it's all about planning, I think, at that point in time. If, if Good Friday service were to happen in the main auditorium, it would be my job to lay out the schedule and say, okay, here, here's where we need to do rehearsal for Good Friday. This is right. where Easter stuff needs to end. Maybe that pushes my gear rental out of another week in order to accommodate rehearsal time. Right. Or maybe it means... Maybe it means that Good Friday has to be more intimate and smaller in scale. Right. Maybe it's maybe it's a decision and a conversation I need to have with uh, my boss, Brandon, and say, hey, Brandon, can we not do iMac? Can we just do full screen lyrics? Right, so that, right. way, that way it's one person 
a graphics operator just doing lyrics as opposed to 10 people right. uh, having to call in to do camera team and all that kind of thing. Yeah. So it's, it's really the conversation of, of right-sizing expectations. And again, it's, it's leading up and saying, in order for us to pull off setting up an LED screen, I need three days to load that in, to test it, to get content. And that affects Good Friday or that affects Easter right. this way, this way, this way. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Because it has to be part of the conversation of capacity. So absolutely. Yeah. yeah. If all you're worrying about is Easter, it's one thing. But if you're now adding Good Friday into it, okay, we have to reduce Easter to make room for Good Friday. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Or, and, and it could also mean that, you know, hey, maybe we need to hire in a contractor, an audio contractor to sure. take care of Good Friday so that our audio guy isn't working 14 days straight. Right, right, know? yeah. Uh, yeah. Or even to say Good Friday needs to be so simple that we only need one night of rehearsal yes. as opposed to a week of rehearsal or whatever. Yes, Or yes. maybe it's the other way around. Let's simplify Easter and do less rehearsals there so we can give more rehearsals to Good Friday or whatever. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a value thing. And again, you have to present that to your senior leaders to say, what is the value here? Yeah. Is the is the value just having a an awesome Easter service or an awesome Good Friday service? And if it's if it's both, if your senior leader comes back to you and says, "Hey, I want both," then you know, then I think it's a matter of how do <laughs> how do you how do you juggle things? How do you right. how well, do to you to be work? realistic about it's going to yeah. take this to do both yeah. well, yeah, and then represent that to the senior leaders. Say, decide. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So thanks for joining us. Hopefully this was helpful for those of you listening about getting ready for your Easter program. Yeah. Thanks for the time, Chris. Appreciate it. Yeah. No problem. Thank you. Philo community, I'm sure you can relate with me on this. Uh, I love the idea of not caring responsibility that doesn't belong to me. That took a long time for me to learn and I still struggle with it. I don't want to be that guy who keeps bothering the senior leader with what feels like my problems to solve. And you know what? Really, most of the decisions I need for my senior leader don't take that much effort for them to make. So just think about all the pain and anguish you could save ourselves if we would only release our pride and pass along the decision-making to the people who should be making the decisions in the first place. And besides, you know, there are enough things that I'm responsible for that are weighing me down. Already, why would I be adding someone else's responsibility to that load? Get rid of the stuff you don't need to make decisions about. Let somebody else do that. All right, that should do it for us on this episode of the Philo Podcast. Thanks for joining us. You know what? We're praying for you and your teams as you tackle your Easter services. And you know what? Try and take a few moments to remember that Jesus didn't just die for and rise from the dead for the people in your congregation. He did that for you also. And you know what? Easter is the whole reason we get to do production in the local church. Without this event, we would not be having this conversation. So make sure that as you're going along, as it's totally crazy where you are, don't let this get lost on you. Remember that Jesus died and rose for you. All right, that's it for us. We'll see you at the Philo Conference coming up May 22nd, 23rd. Happy Easter, everybody. Happy Easter, everybody.